You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Everybody, welcome to Impact Theory. You're here because like me, my friends, you believe that human potential is nearly limitless, but you know that having potential is not the same as actually doing something with it. So our goal with this show and company is to introduce you to the people and ideas that are gonna help you actually execute on your dreams. All right, today's guest was born with a heart defect that required two open heart surgeries to correct, but he refused to let that slow him down, and proving that you can overcome any obstacle through hard-ass work, he is now the most decorated snowboarder on the planet. Intensely driven, he turned pro in snowboarding at the ripe old age of 13 and turned pro in skateboarding by 17. He's the youngest rider to ever win the US Open, is the only rider to ever score a perfect 100 on the super pipe in the X Games. He's won two Olympic gold medals and a record-breaking 15 X Game gold medals. He's won 10 SB awards, is the only athlete to win gold medals in both the summer and winter X Games, and he reached number two on Business Week's list of the 100 most powerful athletes. Which honestly isn't too surprising given that he's partnered with some of the biggest brands around and he's designed massively successful apparel lines and other goodies for the likes of Burton, Oakley, and Target. He's also an accomplished musician whose band Bad Things has played the main stage at Lollapalooza and toured the world with 30 Seconds to Mars. And to prove he has relevance well beyond sports, he's also established himself as a top-shelf entrepreneur. He now owns a stake in Mammoth Resorts, is the majority shareholder of 20-year-old snowboarding and music festival Air and Style. He's launched a men's fashion line with Macy's called White Space and wound up on the cover of Forbes 30 Under 30 list in 2016. Please help me in welcoming the passionate philanthropist who works extensively with charities including the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the man who has his own snowboards, skateboards, clothing lines, and video game, the Chantrepreneur himself, the unstoppable Sean White. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. It's a pleasure. What an intro. All right. The good news is with you, it was about trimming down. I was like, God, I can't even begin to fit all the things that you've done. Busy guys sometimes. <laughs> Which is actually a perfect place to start. So give us a sense, why not uh, just focus on one thing? So not only do you do multiple sports, but you're really, really active as an yeah. entrepreneur. You know, it's strange. I've always just kind of like had my eyes open to what was around me, you know, and things would just like come in and out of my life, and it was up to me to really... Um, dig deeper on those if it felt right or just kind of you know pass and move on to the next thing um you know like music for example that was something that just kind of came to me i was uh competing at the x games i won the slope style event and the half pipe which made me the athlete of the games you know which they called me <laughs> and you you win uh you win a guitar and you win a, a car as the prize oh. and i remember thinking like sick Let's drive the car. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this guitar. And, you know, randomly, you know, I'd won this guitar. And then my brother was like, oh, I'm going to start playing guitar. That'd be cool. And, and then some kids in my neighborhood. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, I have a guitar. And it was a great guitar. It was a, a Fender Strat, American-made. And um, 
I called my buddy who actually brought the guitar home from, from uh, Colorado for me and uh, picked it up, started playing and fell in love with playing. And then the competitor in me was like, you know what? I want to do this. Like no one knows and I'm not going to tell you, but I'm going to train just as hard as I would train on a snowboard or something mm. else. Cause maybe one day in the future I could actually be in a band and wouldn't it be cool to pick up a guitar and be able to really play like a, a true mm. musician. And so that was kind of my long-term goal. And I, I would play and play and play. And then the time came where I actually made friends in music. I joined a band and we put out an album and toured. Yeah. Wow. Talk so. to me about a using competition, but then B like what it looks like to train the way that you train, like stretching your fingers on long flights and picking the seam of your jean. I mean, it's yeah, incredible well, story. <laughs> It's a very simple thing in my mind when I look at it. It's kind of like you just, I mean, it sounds lame, but it's like you just do what's hard until it's not hard anymore. I mean, I, I remember playing guitar and I couldn't up pick, you know, I could only play like, you know, punk rock songs because you just down pick the, <laughs> the chords and whatnot. And so um, I would sit on the airplane, like you said, and I would up stroke the seam of my pant and like listen to the music that was playing and kind of like, play along with it with the pick in my hand and then it became easy to do it and I slowly got past that hurdle and then a, a whole nother genre of music opened up for me and and that was it uh you know even even when it came to snowboarding there were certain things that were very difficult to get past and um I just remember doing it until it became easy you know it's like if you broke your hand and you weren't used to riding with that hand and then you're forced to you know ride or to use chopsticks or to do something once you do it enough it becomes you know, uh, a, a casual thing to do, so. Here's what I find fascinating though, and I hope that people will hear in your story. So there's a whole genre of medicine to deal with people who, let's say they hurt their back. Yeah. Um, and I remember I, one time I had a neck virus, uh. which where you get a cold or something and then the virus settles into the muscle. This is how they explained it to uh. me. I'm actually tempted to believe this is bullshit, but nonetheless, <laughs> it's like, the, sounds right. the effect of it was I was like this for like a week and a half, right? Oh, and every wow. time I tried to move, I'd get this massive spasm in my neck. And the doctor said, okay, here's what's crazy. If you don't force yourself to fight through that and like ultimately get your neck back upright, he's like, there are people who've lived you know, 20, 30 years and they never get out of that position because they become so afraid of the pain. So it doesn't, it's not, most people don't break their hand and get good at the left, right? They just yeah. stop and they wait until they heal or they may never get that good again. Mm -hmm. When did you realize like that you could do that? When did you fall in love with pushing yourself to do that? Yeah, uh, I, I would say through sports. You know, at a young age, I was like, you know, a lot of angst and I wanted to, to do things. And, uh, and that's where snowboarding came along and it gave me that outlet. Mm. And um, you know, it was fun, it was cool in the beginning, and then my parents were like, oh, maybe he, you know, he's pretty good at it. People around the mountain are telling them I was pretty good, and so they put me into a competition, and it was a race, and I won. You know, I just, I was pretty fast, and so. This is like at seven, Yeah, right? like six, seven, and, um, and I'd skied at four, if you call it skiing, I basically, like, I wasn't allowed poles, because I would hit people. <laughs> I was like, really into the Ninja Turtles, and I was just like, I had... <laughs> I had moves. I thought I had moves. And uh, so, yeah, I ended up not allowed poles. And then I would just like go into the trees and they'd lose me. Mm. And they'd be all worried about where I was and what would happen. And, and so they're like, oh, we'll put him on a snowboard. He'll be falling. We'll keep track of him. It'll be great. And so obviously I figured it out pretty quickly. Um, and then they put me in a competition at the local resort up at, at Snow Summit. And, um, you know, I, I won. And that gave me this like, wow, I can win something. And, it, and then it and then it gave me the, you know, the passion to to 
work hard at something to keep winning. You know, once you get that taste of victory and you're like, wow, well maybe, well I want to keep going on this path. I think that was where it, 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 it stemmed from. And then the other huge component, which I'm sure if you read any other sports book or anything, it was I have an older brother, seven years older than me. So a lot bigger, a lot stronger, a lot smarter, you know, and he was always beating me at everything I did, everything. Monopoly, chat, like anything, <laughs> the video games, the snowboarding, like everything. He was just always winning, and I just couldn't beat him. And, you know, I just kept at it, and I finally, like, you know, crossed that barrier where I was actually learning the tricks he was learning at the time, but he's seven years older. So, you know, in my age division, it was just, you know, no contest. Mm. And so that's what kind of stemmed that whole me, me turning pro at 13, because I was already ready for, you know, the next level. Do you think about the birth order of you and your brother and sisters at all in sort of your, what ends up becoming your persona in snowboarding and just mm-hmm. that you got as good as you did? Um, I don't know. I just, I think I got to learn from them. Like, so even with my brother and sister, it was like, oh, wow, well, my, you know, my brother chose this path. Like, I'm going to do this. That's interesting. And I think yeah. one of the most fascinating things about you is how uniquely you have carved your way through it. And if you don't mind, it, it's obviously a very famous story in your lore. But just yeah. quickly, um, when all the guys decided they'd gone partying and they wanted to just split yeah. the winnings from the race, but that didn't make sense for you because of mm-hmm. you had to pay your own way. <clears throat> yeah, I was, uh, I was 15 years old and um, I flew to Japan to do this big competition called the Toyota Big Air. And um, I remember getting there, I'm pretty sure the way it worked out is like the specific invited riders got a little bit of money to show up and then obviously there's great prize money and you had maybe three or four days of practice and um, I was 15, so my mom's there, and um, and I was paying out of my own travel to like get the flights, to get the food, to get the hotel, and all these things. I remember sitting there, and it's the game day. You know, we're supposed to hit the jump, and everyone's complaining, which is like music to my ears because I'm having the best day ever. And and you know, yeah, the guys had gone out. We're in we're in Japan. There's a lot of fun things to do. And I was like in my room with my mom, like doing my algebra or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well, yo, you guys go have fun. I'm gonna, you know, do my schoolwork. And so anyways, long story short, um, they all got together and were like, we're gonna split the prize money for the competition. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, like doing the, the quick math. I'm like, this doesn't even cover the flights out once you split it up among all the riders and, and whatnot. And, and I said, no. <laughs> 15, I was like, no, I want to compete. And they just sat there and hazed me. And there was like this, this board of like all the riders' faces for who was at the competition. And they took turns like drawing dollar signs on my eyes and doing whatnot. And I just remember being like, I'm not going to succumb to the like pure pressure of this like I came here to compete I'm feeling great and I I I stuck to my you know gut feeling there and I won I won I won $50,000 in a car but yeah it was it was a time where I just kind of like stuck to it and that was a big win for me and that was kind of the first realization that I didn't have to follow the pack I didn't have to do what everyone else said because it's what they want or what they should do or what is you're supposed to do. I just, I just kind of felt like, you know what, this is, this is a point where I should make a stand. I should really be me and own it. And, and I did, and I won. It was pretty wild. So that That's was amazing. Yeah. The, the reason I really wanted you to share that story is in no uncertain terms, when I was 15, I would have crumbled. 
I'd have been like, I would have so wanted them to like me uh-huh. that even if I had said no at first, about the time they start drawing the dollar signs yeah. on my eyes, like, what, what gave you, was it having won in the past? Was it fights with your brother? Like, what gave you the ability to go, I idolize these guys. Yeah. They're now really um, being mean. Yeah. <laughs> and so how did you stay the course at that point? Um, I don't know. I, re- I, remember, I remember it being harsh, and they were lighthearted joking in a way, but I know that deep down they were, like, pretty pissed. That <laughs> <laughs> was the only one, like, no, we're going to ride. So I-, I just remember thinking, like, this could be my chance to win, and I'm not going to let these guys take that from me. And, um, and I just stuck to it, and I remember just putting my headphones on and doing anything to distract myself because nothing's going to slow down the, the clock on mm. when we need to do the competition. But um, it was definitely like a, a defining moment for me to stand up for myself and, and what I wanted to accomplish. What's the nature of competition for you? Like, what does competition mean? It's, it's a multiple of things. I mean, it's, um, it's a chance to, I guess, go out and show you know, the hard work that's been put in and to kind of uh, display it for everyone, your chance to show off in a way. Mm. And, and uh, in another way, it's, it's a chance to access some deep part of yourself that is going to do something you never thought you could do or would want to do, mm. you know. And I, I have trouble now that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm gotten a little bit older. I've just turned 30. Um, and... Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, you think more. I feel like, you know, I'm like, ah, it's pretty icy today. Uh, it's a little windy. I feel like we, tomorrow, and now I got the weather report. I'm like, it's going to be better tomorrow. We should definitely come back tomorrow, you know, and like procrastinating. But like, you know, it's, it's your chance to do something great. And, and um, I strive for those moments. And I, and I wish I could recreate them in the normal life setting because mm. um, it changes from a, I want to do this new trick to I have to do this new trick. And it's the best because it takes that seed of doubt out of your mind. And, and once that, that doubt is gone, like, you know, if I asked you to jump over the table or something and, um, you know, you were like going to practice it and then we're like, all right, we're going to film this one. You're right. like, I better make it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and you're expected to jump over the table. And, and there's, so that's, it's going to happen. So what are you going right. to do to best prepare yourself? And that's kind of that motivation of like getting to the contest and throwing the big tricks and seeing your competition and that motivation. And, and I've always loved that where, interesting enough, the dynamic in my family was my brother extremely talented guy, amazing on a snowboard, could do any trick you could think of, but you put a camera on him or you put him in a contest scenario, he couldn't do it. He just liked the pressure and the mm. kind of awkwardness of like, all right, go, sort of thing. And I remember I was slightly the opposite where I would do all right in practice and then they're like, all right, it's contest time and I would do better. And so I know that like I have that in me. So Is I've always you cultivate? Um, I think over time it just became so you know you 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 get used to like if you um hate speaking in public and you gotta talk and make speeches all the time you're gonna get comfortable at it you know just like us talking now like i used to look back at my interviews and i was terrified and i was like well why like why was that such a bad interview well because you're you're not thinking about your answer you're talking and then trying to steer it where you want to go and i learned from that and then try it again the next time Mm -hmm. and and um 
you know, in an interview, you realize you're in the driver's seat of where you want to go with the answers. You could kind of ask anything, but I could kind of tell what I want to say in a way, you know, but that's, that's the funny thing. But you learn these things over time. So if you can imagine, obviously, I've been competing since I was six years old. And, um, you know, you develop these, these rhythms and the way you go about it. And so I know that when I get to the contest, like, this is going to happen. Mm. And, and you can bank on those moments. But that's, that's really what competition is for me. It's a way to really tap something in me that I don't normally get. You know, I, uh, I, I was at um, the X Games, and I did, in my run, I did, I broke an old record, and I went 24 feet out of the 22-foot half pipe. So I was up there, and it was funny because... I wasn't going that big all day, but it was the contest time and I was jacked up and I dropped in and I hit that marker and I recently broke that record at the US Open of Snowboarding Vail last season. I went 26 feet. It just right. kind of comes out of you and you and you do better. So that's that's what competition is for me for sure. All right, so if your brother Jesse came to you and said, "All right, so I really do feel like I'm gifted, talented, but I I don't do as well with the pressure. Teach me." Uh-huh. What would be like a couple things that you would know right away? I've got to get him to understand this, do this, pre-visualize, like whatever. Yeah, the... visualize definitely. That's kind of the thing for me. It's always been like, well, what's my, con- what's it going to look like, and what's it going to feel like, and what am I going to be wearing, and what every little detail, um, and and visualize yourself winning. You know, like what are you going to do after? You know, you just project it, and it and it happens. And I've always kind of like set goals for myself that's a huge one set the goal of like what do you really want to do like what's what is it in the end for me i would always set up like a fun goal and then like a serious goal so one year um one of the goals was like how many cars can i win because like the snowboard contest would give out cars if you Mm. won the series so you know obviously like yeah winning the series is amazing you know, that's a feat of its own, but I broke it down to like, I just got to win the cars. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, uh, it, it made it into this stupid sort of game where it, it dumbed it down slightly, mm. you know? Um, Does that help alleviate the pressure? A little bit, yeah. I mean, you, obviously you have serious goals of like, I want to win the Olympics and then I want to see how many cars I can win, you know? <laughs> and it made it this fun thing of like, you know, taking, taking a little bit of the edge off because it's such a daunting task when you look at it from like, wow, I'm going to try to win the Olympics. Like it, it's mm. such a big thing. And then you really kind of break it down into these smaller things. It's more edible that way. And, um, Did you come to stuff like that naturally? Or was it like you knew I need to manage my mind, which is what I hear as you talk through this stuff? Yeah, I don't know if I, if I knew what I was doing. I mean, now that I'm a bit older, I kind of see the the you know, I can break it down for what was happening, but it just felt like there was so much pressure. Like, man, like, you got to do this, you got to do that. And it just felt like there was so much weight on it. And I would always kind of turn it to my favor. So any any which way you spin it, I'm winning in, mm. a, in a way. Like, if you look at a competition, like this last X Games I went to, like, I didn't win. But I really feel like I won because I know exactly what I need to work on now. I know exactly what happened and I did wrong and I got to go back, you know, and, and that's why it's still winning to me. Where if I did win, you know, I think about it like, wow, well, I'm exactly on the path I'm supposed to be going, mm. the training and the ideas I've had before working, and this is where you go. So it's not like, <clears throat> you know, even those slight step backs are actually, you know, to leap forward in a way. You know, because how are you going to know where you lay in the whole 
you know, field of things and what's going on is to take a step back and then go, okay, you reassess, refocus. And, um, you know, even I was talking to some, some people in the green room and they're talking about Russia calling. I watched that and I was like, man, okay, like that wasn't right. Like it didn't normally play out that way. I'm going to change that for this next time, or I'm going to do this and that. So if you're always kind of looking to better the situation, you know, and I've been to contests before where I really wanted to win and I put everything on the line for that event and I didn't win. And I went like, man, you put too much pressure on it. You know, you did this, you did that. I, you know, there's a, such thing as over-practicing too. You know, a lot of guys show up at the competitions and they, you know, there's two hours to ride. And they ride from, they're the first one there at the gate. They ride two hours and then, you know, they land their run, you know, um, you know, 15 perfect runs. And then they get to the contest and they fall. I'm like, yeah, because you've been, you just nailed it 15 times. You know, it's like rolling dice. You're going to hit seven. Like <laughs> You're going to crap out. And and you know like save it for the for the real contest like mm. you know you got it you got to you know be your own friend in that that scenario i really <laughs> hope dear listeners that you paid attention to that cuz here's what's powerful in that and here's why i think that you're going to have unprecedented success for an athlete in your after career as an entrepreneur because all the mental tricks that you're using in sport are exactly what you're going to have to do in business. Mm. So in business, you're going to get your ass handed to, I'm sure you already have, and that's only going <laughs> to keep there. continuing. <laughs> yeah. right? That's the natural part of but it, right? But you learn. Exactly. exactly. Well, that didn't work. A hundred percent. And so when you're saying that, you know, I went to the X Games, I didn't win, but I feel like I did win because I know how to frame that in my mind and I know how to look at that as, okay, now I'm going to assess. And if you had said, and I was actually really afraid you were going to say, if I had won, it wouldn't have been as good. Uh But you didn't. You said if I had won, then I would know, okay, cool, you're on the right path. Like you're going to make a win out of it. Either way, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a great book called Sometimes You Win, Sometimes You Learn. Uh, okay. And if that's, that's your mentality, that's great, yeah. right, then you can never really lose because you're playing a much longer game than everybody else. Yeah. It's like I always tell people, think of life as practice. Mm-hmm. So I came into competition very late. So my sister was really good at basketball. Mm-hmm. She's really good at every sport. Gotta Unlike you who got yeah. better than your brother, I did not get better than my sister. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> so I tried to do all the things that she was good at. I was terrible at them because I had a fixed mindset. I didn't believe that I could go practice and get better. Like uh-huh. that never, it never occurred to me. Yeah. Practice time was just facing my inadequacies over and over and over. Uh, okay. So I wasn't able to compute that, hey, if I do this, that I'll actually progress and get better and then mm-hmm. I can really. So as an adult though, I found that. And, mm-hmm. and business became that for me that, hey, if I treated this like practice, that I'm really just trying to get good and that over a long enough timeline, this will add up to something. Yeah. Then while other people are freaking out about a lost deal, about blowing a meeting, about not getting hired or fired or whatever the case may yeah. be, they're not looking at it on a long enough timeline because I'm thinking, ah, I totally screwed that meeting up. But what did I learn? I learned this. Now I have that skill set. Mm-hmm. I can go on and get better. And the reason I was asking you to define competition, for me, competition is being tested. Mm. I want to be tested. Now, I didn't when I was younger because I just assumed I would fail. But once you believe you're in control of whether or not you win, Mm -hmm. then competition becomes intoxicating because it's a moment where now it isn't just practicing snowboarding down the mountain over and over. Like there's something real that this is working towards. There's going to be a moment of immense pressure. And I get to see, am I better than everybody? Yeah, of course. No, it's true though. In that, in that, in that moment of like, well, I, I put in the work, and it's the actual like, that's what you're going for. And yeah, you said in, in business you can fail here and there, and it's the same idea of like trying something over and over, and just finally cracking the code on it. And then once you get that win, you get that experience, and know that you can succeed. It's it's that that like I said in competition, that seed of doubt goes away, 
and you show up to win every time. It just, that's the only option, you know, and, and, and once that's the only option, it's even more obtainable. If you want a fighting chance against the competition, you need to be using the best technology and platforms in the world like Shopify. For whatever and wherever you want to sell, from launching to going international, Shopify is the global commerce platform that will help you grow at every stage of your business. Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. Now, I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy for you to start run and grow your business. It didn't used to be this easy. I'm telling you back in the day, it was a lot harder. I'm so jealous. Shopify powers more than 10% of all US e-commerce because businesses that want to grow quickly and efficiently choose Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash impact now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash impact. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride. Because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say that again. It's it's even more obtainable. What do you mean by that? Because that's so true. Yeah, you just it's just in the air. You put it out there. It's just like you just feel it, and you're like, wow. Well, I know it's it, you know um, back to the table. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Thank God if this you, is here. Yeah, Where no, would we be? A lot of metaphors. Um, you know, but if 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 I asked you to do a feat and you you actually accomplished it, you have that knowledge now. Going back to do it again. Well, oh, I've already you know, right. jumped over this or I've already done this thing in business and, and it's old news and you go in with even more confidence than you had that it took to win the first time. So, you know, um, you know, you have that in you and, and projecting that positive thing always just leads to better outcomes either way, you know, and, and, and even with pressure as well, when, when people say like, how do you deal with the pressure? And I'm just so thankful for the pressure, mm. you know, like, they're like, everybody thinks you're going to win the Olympics. And I go, well, if everybody thinks I'm going to win, that's great. <laughs> like, that's that's a lot of people believing in me, thinking that I can do it. Hey, maybe I just might be able to do it. You know, if, if you, instead of letting it weigh me down, like, oh, my God, all these people are expecting this from me. And, and I'm expecting this from myself. And it's just too much. I can't handle, like... No, it's such a, a, it's a blessing. It's a great thing to, to have people counting on you and mm. needing that. And it's all kind of leading up to that sort of like, you know, you can win. You felt it before. You, you, you know, what's obtainable. Everybody else believes in you. It's like your team rather than letting it weigh you down. So if you can kind of put that subtle spin on things and, and use it to your advantage is always a better scenario, you know, and, and I've let the pressure get to me before and it just, 
well, that didn't work. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> I was terrified this happened. And, you know, and you learn from that and you go on. Um, but yeah, there's always lessons to be learned. Even learning tricks, it's the basic thing. It's like a math problem. You're throwing solutions at it and you finally, it, the numbers work and it clicks and it works out. You know, same with snowboarding and jumps and learning a new trick. You learn the very important lesson and simple lesson of what not to do. And, you know, you uh, hey, I tried this. You know, you watch the video. Oh, I didn't, I took off wrong. I'm going to try it again and again and again and again. And you get to a point where you get the confidence, you get the muscle memory, you get the ability to then do that trick. And, uh, and now it's yours. And then you can do it at a competition when it really matters. The, you know, the practice, like you said, um, you know, it's something you kind of get over time. So when you were doing the um, build-up for the Sochi Olympics and uh -huh. you were trying to learn the new trick and obviously in the documentary it was so cool, which by the way, like I don't know how you felt about making that available to the public. Like you yeah. were so raw and so vulnerable admitting that mm -hmm. I've never had a roadblock like this. I've never been afraid to try something like mm -hmm. this. As somebody watching the documentary, that was so powerful for me to know that a, somebody who you look up to and admire and think they've just done something inhuman, mm -hmm. that it's more interesting to me that you had to overcome that than if you just, ah, uh, you know, if it was just yeah. easy for you, like that's not inspiring. Here's the winning run. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally. But to, to see the fight. So how do you, how did you, in that specific example, how did you deal with the fear? Because when you had crashed, dude, that shit looked like it was going to break you in half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, I took a bad spill. I mean, I, I basically, if that were a competition, I would have landed it mm. because I had to. I dropped in and I went to do that trick and I, I was doing a, I don't know if you've seen, there's a video <laughs> of me attempting the first triple uh, flip in the half pipe. And you can watch the video and I slowly, I do the one rotation. Everything's great. I do the second rotation. And then halfway through the third, I decide that I don't want to do a third flip. And I open up and that's kind of like, it slows your rotation down. It, slows, mm. it changes things. And that mindset got in there and I decided like, oh, I'm, I'm nervous about this. I opened up and I, and I caught the lip of the half pipe. Now the wall's 22 feet tall. So I then bounced off of the lip and flew to the bottom of the half pipe. My helmet came off. It's actually a pretty spectacular crash. It's like spectacular. the goggles come off of my helmet and then the lenses come out of the goggles. <laughs> like, you know, it's bad. And so... You know, there's all my stuff everywhere, and and I don't know if you've ever been concussed before, uh, no, but it's boring. it's a very surreal thing. Like I wasn't in any pain; I was just sitting there, like, "Wow, this is that moment <laughs> that I dreamt about." Like it's like a deja vu sort of feeling of like wow. I've been here before. Of like I this is I swear, and I just remember going, "Wow, this is that moment." Like this sucks. Like <laughs> you know, like. Okay, and I, I remember going to the hospital, getting all checked out, and I had slightly separated my, my shoulder, and um, my pelvis was all bent out of shape, and uh, I had a bit of a concussion from it. Um, but yeah, I mean, going, going back to, to doing that again, yeah, I had, to, I had to look at the video and think about what I did and what I could have done differently. And um, something happened, though, that kind of saved me right in the middle of it, is that and I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing because it kind of steered me from my path, but another competitor of mine created a new trick. Mm. Um, he deemed it the YOLO flip. <laughs> uh, uh, you only live once yes. <laughs> flip, I guess. And so uh, he created this new trick and I'm like, oh, well, I have to do this trick. And it really inspired me. I learned his trick 
first try, um, like three days later, wow. I was that motivated to do it because I saw a competitor and he was, you know, and I knew it could be done because he did it. And well, why can't I do it? You know, and it really kind of paved the way for it rather than doing something that had never been done before. And so, you know, to create that excitement, that pressure and, and you know, to, to look at it like this year, I've decided to do every single competition that I can enter just because I know that getting to that pressure scenario when I was younger, I didn't think as much. I would just throw my tricks and that was it. But nowadays I need that extra motivation, that coaxing into it. And to get rid of that seed of doubt, I show up at contests now. So it's kind of like knowing yourself as well and knowing your strengths and your weaknesses and and kind of sticking to that. Like what are you really good at and what are you not? And 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 being real and honest with yourself about it. There's a difference between like working hard at something that, that you're not good at and forcing it. And, you, and that's kind of the inner question you have to ask. But um, I've always found that to be kind of a truth for me. Mm. You know? What drives you now? You've accomplished so much, it's absurd. I mean, writing your <laughs> intro was, it was, it was a matter of how do you trim things out, right? Because just your list of accomplishments is ridiculous. Thank you. So, it's dangerous, dude. Like what you do is dangerous. So how do <laughs> yeah. you push yourself to like keep pushing, stay relevant, yeah. to, to really progress the sport when it's like, I'm Sean White, bitches. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how do you... <laughs> That's what it says you... on my car. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You saw me pull in, huh? <laughs> um, how do I stay motivated? You know, um, man, it's a, it's a mixture of things. It's like... You know, there's always new goals. There's always new things to do. Obviously, you know, when it comes to snowboarding, going to an Olympics um, and not doing well, obviously at Sochi, not getting the gold and, and all that, like, man, extremely motivating, extremely eye-opening. I'd never gone to an Olympics and not won. Mm. That was the first time for me. I was like, wow, how do I feel about this? Well, what happens after? And, and it was amazing for me to, to realize that people were still like, oh, you're the champ. You're the guy, you know, and, and I... I don't know, for some reason, I just like in my mind, I just assume that if you don't win, they immediately strip all the other medals and you're just some guy. <laughs> or like the superpowers are gone right. and you're just like the dude in the glasses at work. Like I was like, oh no. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I just remember feeling like this overwhelming, like, wow, I'm still alive. I'm still here. Like the worst thing I could have imagined happened and I was still here. I was still considered, you know, the great in the sport. And, um, it did a lot for me personally. I was like, wow, I can actually, like, I can lose. And, and I hadn't lost. I mean, this, this like, reign of, like, me winning, it's, it's been a, a long, long thing. And obviously that was just, like, one night, one contest. But the world was watching, so it was pretty rough to lose. But you realize that, yeah, it's just that one moment, and you got to get back up. And that's the true spirit of the sport is to come back. And it's, like, Rocky. He didn't even win the first movie. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, like, the thrill of the fight to get there. And, and you become you know, part of the U.S. team, the Olympics and all that. And it's such an amazing and, and memorable thing. And then to actually go and compete. Um, but the bounce back from that was amazing. And I, and I remember sitting there thinking, instead of like curling up and like, all right, maybe I should, you know, yeah, they're saying I'm getting older. Maybe I should quit or maybe I, you know, and I didn't want to quit. I was just like put in my head so many times by the media that I was like, they're comparing me to like a 14 year old. I'm like, well, of course, I'm going to look a lot older. <laughs> this kid's 14, you know, um, but you start hearing it so much. You, you kind of believe it. And, um, and I remember sitting there thinking, wow, like, well, I don't feel that way and I'm not done and I don't want to 
be done. And, and obviously there's other things in my life that were capturing my attention at that time. But um, I don't know, the thrill was still there and I had newfound motivation from not winning. And, um, and I remember thinking, you know, from our, our wins and lessons sort of scenario, I was like, wow, well, what's to learn from this? And, and how do I how do I better myself? And I sat there thinking, I actually probably said it out loud to some friends. I'm like, I'm going to do more than I've ever done after an Olympics this time around. Because normally what happens is you get this kind of flood of like, hey, you know, this company wants to endorse you. You're the Olympic gold medalist and blah, blah, blah. And and you totally deserve to do that. You won and it's, it's kind of like the quick money that comes your way. And before the world turns around, it's off to the next thing. And, um, I wasn't getting those floods of uh, offers. I was getting offers still, but it wasn't like the quick, you know, gold rush <laughs> sort of scenario. And um, I was like, well, what do I want to do? What do I truly want to do? Mm. And since since that Olympics, I mean, in business, man, I've, I've I no longer ride for a mountain. I'm a part owner in a, a mountain resort, Big Bear Snow Summit and Mammoth Mountain, and uh, I. Yeah, I still compete, but I now own my own competition series, music festival series. I've changed um, my boys' clothing line to a men's clothing line because it fits my, um, you know, vibe of who I am today, not who I was before. Do you know Michael Strahan, NFL Hall of Famer, Good Michael, Morning America? Michael, yeah, of course. He um, he Morning talked Fox, about yeah. that that like if you want to have longevity in a career, at some point you have to get really serious about your training. Yeah. And a lot of NFL guys have talked about you don't bulk up as you go longer in the NFL. You actually start getting leaner, meaner, tighter. Oh wow. Um, Jerry Rice, who had one of the most uh, unbelievably high performance, long lasting careers, worked out like a demon, his whole thing. Oh, wow. Terrell Owens, who we've had on the show. Wow. Um, same thing, right? Work yeah. ethic, like really treating your body like a tool, like that's the weapon with which yeah. you're going to win the war. Yeah. So it'll be really fascinating. I'll put a chip that if you keep up with that, like that'll yeah. magnify your, and you love Agassi. I do. Yeah. Which is interesting by... to see. Um, his, I read his book open, which was amazing. Um, but yeah, it was funny to see in his career. Cause I was always comparing, obviously you read the book. I'm like comparing my life to his. And you know, the one thing is, is that he never really enjoyed tennis because that like everything was tennis for him. Mm. And, and once he found that his life wasn't tennis, it was his wife and his foundation, his family, like, and then he would go out on the court. He was more dangerous because he had that slight bit of like, well, I don't care. Like, I'm, you know, like that feeling I got after losing, like, wow, I'm still here. I'm still alive. I still, my dog still likes me. Like my, <laughs> you know, my house isn't taken away. Like, you know what I mean? And, and so he became, a, you know, even greater tennis player than he was. I felt like, at least maybe my recollection of the book, but I was comparing that to my life and I always felt like snowboarding has been a part of my, it's not me, it's not my life. Like it's, it's what I do for fun and it's what I do competitively, but it's not who I am. And so I've always felt that way. I mean, certainly answers the question of why you've done so many diverse things in your career from music, which, mm-hmm. I mean, you take it seriously, man. Like you're not a dabbler, like you're a yeah. full blown rock guitar player. I mean, it's crazy. So when I, I, cause I didn't know a lot about the music side of you when I was researching. Mm-hmm. So when you were like, and uh, yeah, I went on tour with 30 Seconds of Mars. I was like, yeah. oh, like that's for real. Yeah, it was heavy. And I've always loved that about music that there wasn't really a competition. It was more, you just create and, and you know, you keep doing that and you keep trying to better your craft. And, um, and then within that, there's a team element 
because I remember standing there and I was like, man, I got a, uh, I got, it was our first show and uh, I got on stage and I was like, okay, I got to do this. I was like talking to myself and everyone laughed and looked at me like, no, we got to do this, you know, because like you can play that all, you play the guitar all you want, but if, unless I'm on time and I, you know, everybody else does their thing and it really kind of was an amazing thing that we were all there together and that's something I never really had in snowboarding because mm. it was always like, I'm going to practice today and this and that and, and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, a really amazing time with, with the music, you know, it, it gave me a lot of appreciation for that lifestyle and, mm. and the amount of work that goes into it. I mean, even Jared, gosh, to see the levels of like, we were playing dive bars to like a festival to seeing a guy like sell out an arena was just incredible. And the amount of effort that goes into it and night after night doing the same show and bettering it. And like, I mean, the guy's learning, you know, bits and pieces of every language from whatever, you know, part of the, the world he's playing. And it was just incredible to see, uh, very inspiring, so. Yeah, it's interesting. So having been to his house, the way that he has everything laid out so that he can maximize his time. He's got like three yeah. companies operating out of his house, which tells you something about the size of his house, which is an yeah. old military base. It's an old uh, base. Which is crazy. He's How on you, another level. He, oh, very much so. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. I thought I worked a lot. I was like, man, this guy. You do work a lot, though. I do. How do you think yeah. about time management? That's been a real tough one for me because... Um, you know, I guess going to traditional school setting, um, you know, you learn to manage your time from this class and, oh, I want to go to the mall tonight. So I'm going to, you know, I never really had that. I was always just like in a van with my parents, like going to the next competition and doing whatnot. And so as I got older, that was something that took a lot of time and I'm still pretty terrible at it. I have I have a, a really great assistant, you know, it's, it's it, that's when you realize, um you know, to any great person you see, there are people around helping because you can't do it all. It's just mm. too much. And, and you got to know your strengths and your weaknesses. And I'm like, I'm terrible at scheduling. And I can't accomplish all this, all these things I want to do without somebody coming in to help. And so that's where you got to rely on people around you in that sense. It's interesting because for somebody who has so many things going on, usually the first thing to go are details, but you're actually super focused on the details. I know for the white space, you hand-painted 150 yeah. motorcycle jackets. Yeah. Why was that important enough for you to, to put the... It was like five days Man, locked in a wild. warehouse. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think well, what's funny is that... In, and when everybody looks at the thing, well, he's, you know, if you, you broke up my time, you would think that I'm like, well, he's 50% this and then 10% that and what, whatnot. No, I'm 100% everything. So right. it's like it gets my full attention. And the jackets, for example, like we came up with this great idea to, you know, I, I was sitting around with some friends and I was like, man, we should like do really cool custom painted leather jackets and we'll do kind of like a, you know, if you, you're the right person on the right day and you show up to a Macy's, um, you'll be one of 150 that will get the chance to buy these like leather jackets that, mm. that, we, that I hand painted. Um, the details that I missed is that I don't paint. <laughs> <laughs> I don't paint. That, that's and worth considering. I was like... You know, and I was like, this is a great idea. And then it dawned on me that, like, I didn't really have a concept of, you know, what I wanted the visuals on the jacket to look like and whatnot. And so I started calling some artist friends of mine. I'm like, okay, it'll be a mixture of this and that. And then the perfectionist in me was like, you know, we started painting some jackets and I stumbled upon a design that I really liked. 
And, um, and then I was like, this is it. We've, I, this is the aesthetic I want to do. And then I, we, I went back and like with a couple uh, friends that helped just kind of help fan and dry the jackets and hang them up around the studio that we had. Um, I painted all those jackets myself. Uh-huh. Um, we spent about, yeah, five days and nights in the, in the warehouse there in downtown LA. You know, so every single thing that has brought me to this place has been like a long play. I just kind of like, I mentioned in the beginning, I was just like, my eyes were open enough to see the opportunities at hand. Your eyes were open enough to see the opportunities, which is incredible. That notion of, I'm going to put the word in your mouth, flow, that mm-hmm. you're almost moving through these business opportunities with the grace that you show, you know, when you're skating or snowboarding, which mm-hmm. is pretty incredible. But you also have the balls to pull the trigger. And that's where a lot of people fall down. They maybe see the opportunity, but they don't actually have the vision of what they want to do with it or the guts to do it, to actually buy into it. If they buy into it, they don't spend the five yeah. days locked in you know, the <laughs> warehouse painting on the jacket, though. And yeah, that really, yeah, to, to me, like, through, yeah. that's, where, that's where so many entrepreneurs fall apart is mm-hmm. the end of the day, only action matters, right? All right I've got one more question for you. But first, mm-hmm. tell these guys where they can find you and definitely tell them about Aaron Style because we're like right around the corner. Aaron Style, it is happening this February 18th and 19th at the Coliseum in downtown LA. Uh, really amazing bands are coming. We've got Flume, Major Lazer, Vince Staple, YG, TV on the radio. Um, and then we're building a 16-story snowboard jump where the world's best are going to come and compete. Um, all happening this February. You go to AaronStyle.com and get your tickets. And uh, I'll see you there. Nice. It's the next one. <laughs> all right, cool. So my last question, what uh-huh. is the impact that you want to have on the world? Impact? You know, like I touched on in the beginning is that like, yeah, snowboarding is a part of my life. But it's definitely not my life and all that I am. And so I feel like my thing that I would leave is that I hope to be looked at as someone that that really didn't you know see the boundaries of what you should and shouldn't do that I just kind of you know uh, I did I did the road less traveled you know I did I did the things that people said couldn't be done it's kind of the goal for me it's a pretty damn good thing to leave behind so that's it (laughs) Sean thank you so much for coming on incredible thanks for having me so guys I hope that you took away from this man what I took away from him, which is it really doesn't matter what anybody tells you you can be, what you're up against, where you start with double open heart surgery. It's all about what you're trying to become and how hard you're willing to work to get there. It is absolutely incredible the way that this man has totally bucked peer pressure. He does not fuck around with that. He has stayed true to who he is, what he wants to accomplish. And in doing that, he really has defined a totally new path from athlete to entrepreneur that I think is really inspiring. And seeing the way that he dives into the details, seeing the way that he pushes himself to grow and get better, that he looks at competition as a way to actually feel the pressure and to deal with his mind, that is the thing I found so fascinating about him is he understands what he's doing with his mind. And that's the reason that I think he's going to become an incredible (laughs) entrepreneur and he's going to have an even more impactful um, career as an entrepreneur. So be sure to go check him out. He's going to blow you away. It's absolutely incredible. Guys, it's a weekly show. So if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. John, man, thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome. Really fun. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Impact Theory. 
If this content is adding value to your life, our one ask is that you go to iTunes and Stitcher and rate and review. Not only does that help us build this community, which at the end of the day is all we care about, but it also helps us get even more amazing guests on here to share their knowledge with all of us. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this community. And until next time, be legendary, my friends. Thank you.